Okay, welcome to Free Association. I know I said I wasn't going to go into eugenics this week, but here's another interview. This is Karen Kingston being interviewed by Mike Adams. It's very powerful material. It needs to be passed along to people. So the the original's on Brighteon. I, I got this one from BitChute, but the original is on Brighteon.com, which is Mike Adams' video platform. I suggest you go there and take a look and also visit Karen Kingston's Substack, which is karenkingston.substack.com. Read what she has to say. Pass it along to people with influence, pass it along to people in law, in legal and in medical departments. Do your best with what we've got. I'm going to do what I can over here to pass things along. Uh, I'm in the UK, so it's not completely applicable to me, but I'm going to do my best. And I've I've cut this down a little bit because it's long. It's 56 minutes originally, so I'm, I'm going to cut it down to about 40 minutes if I can. And then and then post it, but here's Karen Kingston. This is this is from the, the last couple of days. It's a recent interview. Welcome to today's interview here on Brighton.com. I'm Mike Adams, the founder of Brighton, the free speech video platform. And today we're joined by another free speech champion and also an analyst, researcher, remarkable woman. Her name is Karen Kingston. You know her. We've interviewed her before. Her Substack is KarenKingston.substack.com. And she joins us today with a new demand letter that you will find uh, to be really, well, to contain bombshell information. A demand letter for all the counties in the state of Florida to immediately remove COVID-19 vaccine bioweapons from their counties. Welcome to the show today, Karen. It's always an honor to have you back on. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's an honor to be here. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share, you know, my med legal analysis with your with your audience. Um as I mentioned to you before we, we, we um, started uh, recording, is, uh, I think pe- a lot of people, if they follow me, they know I've been working with a lot of the residents in Florida. Um, you know, I've met with county commissioners. I met with sheriffs down there. Uh, and then I started, you know, reaching out to other states as well. I did a call a few weeks ago with some some um, people in Colorado, and I wrote a, this demand letter for them. And and then the folks in Florida said, hey, you know, we, we, we want a copy of that as well. So they, they really are taking action. Um, we're not going to be rescued by the federal government, uh, obviously. Uh, and even, you know, the leaders at, at the state level, um, we're not we're not seeing the type of action that we need to protect our communities. Um, right. Yeah, um, I, I know. I know your attorney, General Paxton. He started a um, civil investigation, you know, in, uh, into into Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson. But and, and that's fantastic. I mean, I applaud him for that. But at the end of the day, that these injections, by definition, are bioweapons. They they are they are harmful, toxic um, injections that cause disease, disabilities, and death, and they need to be removed from the community. The same way if you knew that there was a bomb in your child's building, uh, you would go to your sheriff and say, get the bomb out of the building. You don't need a permission from anybody. Exactly, exactly. Really important point you're making right there. So you make an excellent point here, Karen. Uh, if, if there were a dirty bomb 
that were in a, a city or even these days just a mysterious package, right? Then law enforcement would come in and maybe have a bomb squad and maybe they would try to remove that, you would, you would hope, especially if they knew that it was going to uh, kill or harm or uh, maim individuals. And yet we have bioweapons in these COVID-19 so-called vaccines, which are not really vaccines. These bioweapons are present in every pharmacy, in every hospital, and they are killing people and they are maiming people and they're disabling people by the millions in America right now. So let's walk through your demand letter. I have it up on my screen right now. Uh, let's, sure. let's show that demand letter. It's on your, your website, uh, karenkingston.substack.com. Let's yeah. walk through that. Yeah, let's definitely go through that. And just, and just let people know, you know, I am a med legal advisor. I, I used to run med legal meetings um, for companies like Pfizer and Allergan and whatnot. So um, this letter is it's a little bit lengthy, but it is, a you know, if you will, a legalese uh, letter. So the opening is just an example. I just explain what I'm doing. Um, we can keep scrolling through. I just explained that this is a, an example demand letter for Florida. And then um, the opening part, you would fill in yourself. It's got two. Uh, it has, you know, from your address. And then the demand is clearly there. Um, and then I explain how you can address everyone. Let's say you want to write it to your school board. You, you list out everyone's name in the school board. And then you go hereafter, referred to as the school board. Uh, that way you don't have to keep listing out their names. But let's just go straight now into the 12 key pieces of evidence. Um, and the first one is... Um, I'm on point one, yeah. Yeah. They So a biological agent or device or medical or product that does not prevent infection, does not protect it against disease, was not done under legitimate research, and these were not, is by definition a bioweapon. So we're going to go through those points. So point number one is they don't prevent infection. Uh, in, in Pfizer's data, um, which is straight from their phase three data. So again, one of the def part of the definition of uh, a biological weapon is that it doesn't prevent infection and it doesn't protect against disease. So Pfizer submitted to the FDA on September 17th of 2021, a post hoc analysis on their, their uh, phase three data. And what they did, I think most most people, I believe, are aware of this, but, you know, they had the group that was injected with their mRNA technology, and then they had a placebo group. But around, you know, uh, in December of 2020, they began injecting the placebo group. And what they found was when they compared the two groups to one another, these are Pfizer's words. It says, our additional analysis appears to indicate that the incidence of COVID-19 generally increased in each group of study participants with increasing time post-dose two. Uh, and, and there's a screenshot, it's directly from their documents. So wow. they're saying once you get two doses, your risk for COVID-19 increases. And, and that is what it means. That's exactly what that means. And this was validated on um, the next slide in here in the Cleveland Clinic. So the Cleveland Clinic did an analysis of 51,000 employees. Some got zero shots, some got one, two, um, and some got three or more shots. So they began oh, getting right. the boosters. Yeah. Right. The more doses they received, the worse it became. Yeah. So what they did is they took the time from the last dose over a 90 day period. And what they found is over a 90 day period, if let's say you had two doses versus zero, then you had a threefold increase of getting infected. Now, if you had gotten a booster or two, that went up to a fourfold increase over a 90 day period versus not getting injected. So the more shots you get, the more likely you're going to come down with disease, a disease that they're calling COVID-19. Okay. 
Extraordinary, but yes. Yeah. Um, So the other thing I want to talk about is that this is not a vaccine. And and this whole concept that we can play around with the the, um, definition of a vaccine is a bunch of nonsense. Um, Mike, there's a thing called a package insert where you get your indication. So when Pfizer got their FDA approval, they have to state what their vaccine does. So you can't tell me this nonsense about it doesn't prevent infection because in the package insert, it says right there that Comirnaty, you know, or the mRNA vaccines by Pfizer are to prevent COVID-19 disease caused by the SARS-CoV-2 virus. That's what it's for. It's to prevent the disease caused by the virus. So it, it is to prevent infection and transmission. It's in their definition. And that's what they're legally bound to. And they fail to meet that definition. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's not good to play their games about the changing definition of a vaccine. It's best to use what they're legally bound to, which is what's in the, that package insert and well, what's also plus, in their studies. Generally speaking, people believe that a vaccine is supposed to inhibit infection and transmission. I mean, that's, yep. that's what it's supposed to do. And this, this does not do that. Therefore, it is not a vaccine. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's but, straightforward. Exactly. Yeah. But I think, you know, if you were working for Pfizer and defending them, you may want to try to throw in these weird definitions of vaccines that I, it's not even worth, you know, you just say, no, cut it out. That's nonsense. You know what the definition of a vaccine is. It's here in your labeling. It's in your clinical trials over and over again. So that's important. And they fail to meet that definition. So they don't prevent infection, we just showed, and we keep going through. Um, we're also going to show that they don't prevent serious disease. Um, okay, so that's point four in your, in your mm-hmm. document here, that it so, increases the risk. Yeah, for severe disease and hospitalization. So this whole concept that you know, you're less likely to be hospitalized, that's a bunch of nonsense, too, when you look at Pfizer's actual data. So they said within one week of their first or second dose in their, the data they submitted in November 2020, 409 people came down with COVID-19 cases that could have masked sig- clinically significant adverse events, right? So these were severe cases. Uh, and they're saying, we're not sure if it was our vaccine or a virus that caused it. It was their injection that caused it. <laughs> of course, yeah. But they're calling it COVID-19 that wasn't diagnosed. Right. Right. So that is that's just some more evidence that it caused severe disease. Um, and and that is defined as um, there's a full definition below under the initial new drug application. If you keep going down, um, you know, low oxygen levels, respiratory failure, being put on a ventilator, uh, liver failure, kidney failure, neurological dysfunction, admission to the ICU or death. And they're saying we're not sure if it was our shot or it was a virus. And it happened within one week. Yeah. So that's more evidence. And then also we know that um, all the COVID-19 injections cause stroke, heart attack, autoimmune disease, miscarriages, birth defects, um, blood clotting, myocarditis, inflammatory syndrome, uh, and other diseases and death. Yes. So, yeah. So this this slide is very powerful because this shows that they knew these were going to be the outcomes. And if you, if you go on, this also shows that they knew, both Pfizer, the FDA, Johnson & Johnson, and Moderna, knew that they were breaking the law in regards to FDA safety trials, uh, because this is in violations, you, you keep going down, uh, 21 U.S.C. 3, 312.41, keep going down, 
And um, what that says is that in a phase one trial, if human subjects are going to be put to at an uh, unreasonable risk, you need to stop the trial. Okay, so criminal human experimentation on civilians, that's what you're referring to. Yeah, and I think, you know, that, it, that is a really, um, thank you for reading the, the subtitles that I put up there, because that's a really important point to make, is that, you know, uh, 21 USC is the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act, and it's put in place so that pharmaceutical companies don't engage in criminal experimentation on adults and children, meaning the product has to be they have, the, the benefits have to outweigh the risks, right? right. And, and people are like, well, what is a safe product? It's, it's very easily defined, um, Mike. It's, the FDA defines it as the benefits of the product outweigh the risks. So if there's going to be more harm, then that product is not safe. And if they, and Pfizer knew, and all the pharmaceutical companies and biotech companies knew that these, these injections were going to cause neurological disorders, you know, paralysis, myocarditis, myocarditis death, autoimmune disease. Uh, they, they, they knew this was going to happen at a, at a high rate. You know, uh, we saw 409 people within one week came down with some kind of severe diseases. That's 2% of that population right there. <laughs> so, so they engaged in criminal human experimentation. This is, this is in violation of, and, and, and to pretend that they have immunity is in violation of the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment. No one shall be deprived of your life without due process of law. It's in violation of the Nuremberg Code. It's in violation of Geneva Convention. Um, so this is, this is right out of Mengele. This is right out of World War II experimentation. It's important that people understand that, that because when they knew this was going to cause more harm, they immediately engaged in a criminal act. Well, but I, I agree with you, of course. But knowing that that was a criminal act, shouldn't these FDA officials, frankly, face arrest if they set foot in Florida? I mean, shouldn't Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, actually order uh, Florida law enforcement to arrest FDA officials uh, if they uh, set foot in the state? I agree with that statement, and he should, they should arrest the um, individuals at Pfizer who were on the independent review committee. I have those names. It was in the data dump. So the, so the, the, the individuals, the scientists that oversaw Pfizer's phase one, two, and three trials, uh, they should all be charged with a class one felony in the state of Florida right. for uh, conspiring uh, uh, an attempted murder you know, with use of a bioweapon and enabling access uh, to a bioweapon by uh, civilian adults and children. So maybe, I agree uh, the FDA is also... Um, maybe we can, we can entice them to, to come to Florida by promising like a, like a Disney pedophile uh, party or something, and then they would come down, and then DeSantis yeah. could just jump in. Only if they all. get their booster, then they can go on the the ride. They've got to get their booster shot, though, right? Right, right, exactly. Pfizer. No, I mean, but these these I mean, jokes aside, these are some serious criminals who have mass murdered, in in my view, um, a large number of people, and it may come down to the states to be able to actually carry out the arrests and indictment of these individuals. It, it and it, it it should. I mean. I, it's going to happen. I mean, obviously, Garland, Merrick Garland's not going to do anything, you know, so right. that's never going to happen. So it, it is going to have to come down to the state level, but I think we're going to need a ground up. We're going to need a ground up swelling. So um, it's going to take local community members to speak to their law enforcement and to speak to their county commissioners and to speak to their school boards and create a groundswell. So uh, I agree. And point seven then continues with this, that 
You say the FDA knowingly placed adults and children at unnecessary risk for injury or death from using a harmful and toxic agent. So here we go, even more of a criminal offense. So there's this other um, misinformation, false information out there that the emergency use authorization laws provide immunity to the FDA and Pfizer. And that's straight from their guidance. um, And it's also in the laws that that based on their known evidence, they have to determine that the benefits outweigh the risks. So they have to determine that the product is safe. It's, you know, it doesn't take, it's in black and white. They knew that these products weren't safe. So they broke their own immunity shields because they ignored the laws that regulate the biologics, vaccine and medical device industry. So all it would take is what, the, the proper court to recognize that this immunity shield uh, is null and void? To get the, well, if we, I mean, it, what, well, my, what my goal has been since day one is to stop the, um, to stop children and adults from being injected with these toxic weapons, right? So the point of this letter is, you know, a sheriff can actually seize these, um, in law enforcement can seize the shots without a warrant. If they understand the information, and that and that's what you're calling for is for law enforcement to go throughout counties across Florida and seize mm-hmm. these biological weapons that are labeled COVID nineteen vaccines. Yep. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, we can we can maybe wrap up the last few points. Yeah. Point uh, eight. It gets to. Pfizer and the FDA knowingly place children at unnecessary risk. That's that's. Oh, well, this is a good point, but so this this is an important point. So they met in June of 2021 to discuss the pediatric studies, uh, and it says right in their own document um, that to conduct a clinical trial with children to prove redu- reduced infection in the vaccinated children versus unvaccinated would be infeasible, would be impossible because children don't get infected. Right. So there was no risk for the children to begin with, so they can only put them at risk by injecting them. And then it's the next point that I that is the most damning point that always makes my blood boil, I believe. Um, the November 20th, 2020. So a lot of people thought that was just for 16 years of age and adults and older. But there was a couple thousand children. They, they looked at data from 100 children ages 12 to 15, and they submitted that on November 20th. And it says the reactogenicity data. So that's those severe adverse events from 100 children ages 12 to 15. Right there, it says, does not support a benefit risk determination. Therefore, it's not presented in the document. Pfizer gave the FDA pretty damning evidence on children aged 12 to 15. They clearly state the data showed that this was harmful to children, that the benefits did not outweigh the risks. And they told the FDA to cover up the data. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That. It's wow. literally in black Criminal and collusion. white. Criminal collusion, yeah. Yeah, but it's in black and white. This isn't, it's, it's in black and white, Mike. Literally. They, they told us. They're like, there's no way this can help kids from our data. We're going to start, they literally scrapped those kids, I'm sorry to use that term, and started over with a new batch of kids and did, and did um, um, antibody uh, testing instead of infection. So why, why isn't... <laughs> I mean, what about the attorney general of the state of Florida or, or what about the surgeon general of the, of the state of Florida? You know, I mean, he's he's been outspoken about a lot of this. Um, but what about the AG? 
of, of states. Are, are you getting this document into the hands of various AGs around the country? Um, I have sent it to AG Moody. Um, I, I've gotten no response. AG Moody is Florida's attorney general. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, I have not gotten this. Um, you know, I hope to be able to get into communications with AG Paxton um, in Texas. Yes. Um, but I, I just don't, I don't know if you know this, Mike, but I'm kind of ignored. I don't have a seat at the table. <laughs> so. Well, but that, I mean, we're I mean, all, by design, we are all pushed to the margins. They want to well, silence us all. Yeah, I mean, I did, I was originally in, ta- in discussions like with Senator Ron Johnson and then, um, you know, I don't know, you know, certain other experts determined. There's determinations being made that the thing is, I'm a med legal advisor. I'm an analyst. I literally prepare documents like this that can stand up in a court of law, you know. Um, So I I would love to get in touch with these um, attorney generals, you know. Well, um, maybe. Yeah, we can probably help uh, to some degree with that. But it, it, it seems like, you know, obviously, pharma plays a very big role in a lot of governorships a lot of campaigns, a lot of states across the country. And of course, pharma doesn't want any of this to come out. I mean, what if this liability shield were pierced through a class action lawsuit or a criminal prosecution of some kind? And then it turned out that, well, these drug companies are liable for all the damage and all the deaths that have happened. I mean, this could bankrupt Pfizer and other companies. It would would bankrupt the, yeah, it would bankrupt the other companies and it would bankrupt synthetic biology and parts of the biotech industry because they're using what they call mRNA technology is the lipid nanoparticle gene editing technology. Uh, So SynBio, synthetic biology, is a huge uh, division within biotechnology. The DOD just gave uh, $500 million in this first quarter funding synthetic biology. So that's using lipid nanoparticle technology in food, water, animals, everything. Um, using LNPs to, to create new species. Um, James oh. Clapper in 2016, um, former IC advisor uh, under, or I think IC member under Clinton, said that this lipid nanoparticle technology was a weapon of mass destruction because when you're forcing the evolution, when you're directing the evolution, your gene editing of um, species, you're forcing its extinction. Wow. This is like an extinction protocol targeting human children. Let's go to point nine. Yep. Uh, you say 40% of Florida residents who were early recipients of the injections experienced serious harm or injury, and they were yep. unable to work or perform perform other daily activities. And this comes out of the vSafe database. So yep. yeah, I mean, right there, there's more evidence. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is 10 million people downloaded this app who got the injections early. They have 4 million active um, files, you know, across all 50 states. And it was consistent across all 50 states that four out of 10 people either had to go to urgent care, seek medical attention, or could not go to school or work or perform activities. The only state that was an anomaly was Texas. For some reason, it was 15%, but consistently four out of 10 people. So if there was a school that was serving some kind of new organic milk, and then the next day, four out of 10 students and faculty didn't go to school because they were sick or had to go to the hospital or see a doctor because they drank the new milk, right? They would pull the milk. Yeah, the milk would be banned. Yeah, and if they yeah. did, and a bunch of parents would show up with the cops and say, "Pull the milk and arrest the lunch lady," right? I mean, they wouldn't tolerate this. Right. If yeah, you wouldn't keep serving it. So and, okay, yeah. yeah, but so 
Go ahead. But what? Well, it's just, it just seems like there's there's a total lack of willingness among you know, local uh, governors or law enforcement to go against the FDA because the FDA says something, even though it's a total lie and the actual facts contradict what the FDA says, a lot of state governors and state AGs don't want to go against the FDA because they don't want to butt heads with the federal government. Uh, are you seeing that as well? Yeah, and I think that there is this kind of theater that happens from from you know government officials and law enforcement where you know they'll say they'll start an investigation, which just means they're going to you know an investigation means we're going to look at it really really hard. Uh, the evidence is in black and white. I mean, it's right there. Pfizer's saying um, we're harming children and we're going to keep doing it. Wow. So you know, I think there's just are the people who who truly believe in um, humanity. I mean, yes, the Constitution, yes, are unalienable God-given rights. But if they actually believe in humanity, they they want to protect their neighbors, they want to protect their children, their children's children, you know, and the posterity of not just this country, but literally, you know, of the human species. We need to be much more vocal and active um, than we are. Be, be, I mean. I've been disheartened sometimes when I speak to government officials and there was one woman and she was a, a mother and a grandmother. And when I was going through the baby data and by babies, I mean, six months to 23 months, right? There's 344 babies who were supposed to receive three, uh, three microgram shots of Pfizer's vaccine over an eight week period. Well, Mike, only three babies made it to the end of the eight weeks. We don't know what happened to 341 babies. Reasons for withdrawal include adverse events and death. Right. And when I asked her, to, you know, she kept giving me the hand. I said, we need to get these shots pulled out of our communities. Babies are being injected. And her response was, well, abortion clinics are still open. <laughs> what? So therefore, it's OK to keep killing babies well, and children? But, I mean, I don't. Yeah. Well, but then, I mean, my 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 child is now a grown man. But I mean, I just sat there thinking, I mean, God, you know, you, you know, if you, you have a two-year-old adorable little toddler and you're telling me the government has the right to disable or kill my child because an abortion clinic is open? I mean, it was like talking to a demon. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what we're running into more and more. I mean, the the, the normal approach of, of logic and reason is just completely abandoned. And also the rule of law is abandoned. I mean, let's, you know, let's let's be honest. We're living in a country where... There is no functioning court system any longer that adheres to uh, the rule of law and, and real justice. It, it, you know, the DOJ, the FBI have zero adherence to uh, equal justice uh, under the law, which is one of our constitutional rights, by the way. But the same thing is true in medicine and science. There's, they've just abandoned everything, Karen. I mean, you've got, you've got Scientific American magazine pushing transgenderism. Uh, even though that you know they would mock someone who said the earth was flat but when they say a man can have a baby then they embrace it and say that's real uh, so you know what they've lost all anchors to reality but but uh, that's why we need to be vocal and that's why we need to be active and literally fight like your life depends on it because it does i i, I don't think people understand that you know um but aren't, you know, we, other, aren't we past that point almost, though, Karen? I mean, if, if, if people were going to wake up 
the masses and fight against their own extermination, they would have done so, you know, a year ago, two years ago, maybe more. I mean, they're, I don't they're not going so. to save themselves. I don't think so. I think people were given hopium, right? I fell for it. When I first came forward, I was told, fix 2020 and Trump's going to come in and fix everything. That was just to... There's a thing called, you know, people call them psyops. Um, it's called extrinsic fraud in the legal world, which is, you know, um, someone may misrepresent material evidence or facts or law, you know, or propose something that's fictitious as a resolution that's never going to happen so that victims don't take action. So I, I think some what, people had hopium. So so you're saying that the hopium, which is let's let's invoke the a lot of the q conversations or the white hat conversations was was a ploy to distract people while you know the stab wounds to the nation were continuing to be inflicted upon us all is that a fair summary was, of what you're saying it's a, that was the consequence of it so what was the you know if you wonder you want to know someone's intentions look at the consequences what were the outcomes yeah so what were the outcomes of the q stories no one took action well, yeah, it, it was always a little strange that um, all the Q information would be so cryptic, you know, so mysterious. It's like, well, if there's, if there's really an anonymous person who knows what's happening, why don't they just come out and say it? Why, why do they have to speak in code all the time if it's, a, if it's public? Right? I mean, there were a lot of signs that something's not right with that. Yeah. There, there was a lot of signs with that. And I, but, you know, um, but we were, I was told though, if, if we fix the 2020 election, then, you know, Trump's going to come forward and stop the shots and everything. And, you know, that there's, there's no indication that that would ever have, that that's it was ever going to happen. There's just no indication of it. You, I mean, right. like, it, so we, I think what's happening is people have hope they, they, they're, they're holding on to hopium instead of looking at facts, evidence, and reality. Well, and, yeah, and that's what's, right. Yeah. And I think if you take a look at facts, evidence, and reality, then they would be more impassioned to say these, these injections are bioweapons. They need to be removed. It needs to be the first step in dismantling this attack on our country and this attack on humanity. These can only cause disease, disabilities, and death. Um, there's one of my substacks that's up there is the DOD contract uh, states that the injections contain electromagnetic devices. People are being injected with nanotechnology. No one was told that because if they were told that, they would have said no. Well, so, right. And let's also get to point 11 because uh, of the current document. It says mRNA vaccines contain nanotechnology that is patented for use yeah. as a bioweapon. This is in your story. Yeah, this is in the Substack. So um, I pulled this just because this was the easiest document to, or to understand. It's just it's a publication and... Um, was it American Chemical Science, and it states that it just mRNA technology is nanotechnology, right? And this was the gateway to open up the, the, the use of nanotechnology on all biological life forms, and specifically in humans. So the, the manufacturers don't cover up that this is nanotechnology. You know, you can find information on their websites. It's in the DOD contract that these are nanotechnologies. It's in the peer-reviewed publications that these are nanotechnologies. Yet, you know, we have leaders on our side that say, don't use the term nanotech because you're going to sound like a crazy person. Well, words influence thoughts. So people were told they can't use the term nanotech so they can't think about what was done to them. Right. Nan yeah. 
these contain nanotechnology. It's not crazy. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's, and if you go and sit in a synthetic biology conference or go down to Thermo Fisher you know, or Moderna, they talk about the nanotechnology. Well, it, I mean, the, the medical literature, the scientific literature is, is rife with all kinds of papers about nanotech, even like gold and silver nanoscale particles used to deliver yeah. drugs to people. I mean, it's very common, as you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. And everyone's pretending like it's a crazy theory, and it's not. <laughs> it's extremely common. It is. And, it, and it's not, and it's toxic, though, too. Uh, and, and the fact that, you know, as you go through, if you, you know, go on some of my other substacks, the fact that these uh, nanotechnologies that they're calling mRNA technologies, that they respond to outside electromagnetic frequencies um, is, is quite scary. You know? Yes, the, it is. The, the, so they can they can they can get outside signals to assemble. They can get outside symbols to move to different parts of the body. They can receive electromagnetic frequencies. This is in the FDA's document that explains nanoparticles to absorb thermal heat to then kill the cells and tissues that they surround. So you're even showing a patent here, uh, U.S. patent yeah. number what is that nine five three nine two one zero B two. This is a patent of an NIH sponsored. Vaccine nanotechnology for a bioweapon. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's one of the uses in here is for a bioweapon. So the patent is called vaccine nanotechnology. Wow. I've had this patent since May of 2021. And on section nine, it says, you know, we know that these uh, LNPs have payloads. Well, one of the things it can deliver is a chemical toxin, an agent of biowarfare. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It's right there. It's right there. Okay, well, let's go to point 12 then. So from, from your post on Substack, uh, a biological weapon or weapons of mass destruction, allowing their use on civilians is a first-degree felony in the state of Florida. Good yeah. point. So this, this we should go, if you're, you know, you're going to make this letter, and I'll, I'll do another one for Texas next, but you have to cite the law in your state, so your state law. So every state has a definition for a bioweapon. In the state of Florida, it's uh, Chapter 790, uh, Section 166, and it's under weapons and firearms. And they define biological weapons as weapons of mass destruction. And a biological agent is any biological product that may be engineered through biotechnology. Okay, right? that's pretty broad. That is, exactly. So that can be, that's these lipid nanoparticles, that can be these spike protein payloads, that can be a biological weapon. But then it goes on to the 18 USC that says um, is known, you know, uh, is known to cause, I don't have it in front of me, disease, disabilities, and death or harm to a human. Um, and then you have the 18 USC was not done under, under um, it was not done under bona fide research. So that's the bioweapon. And then you can be charged with a felony if you conspire to or allow access to a weapon of mass destruction. Gosh, I mean, under this, there's a lot of things going on in agriculture that are also bioweapons based on so this that, definition. Yeah. Well, if they, it depends on, no, it has to be hard. They have to prove that it's harmful. Well, right. I, I'm thinking about certain, for example, um, you know, uh, corn, GMO corn that's grown with BT toxin. And uh, so it's engineered into the food to grow a toxin that kills living systems. Uh, what happens when, when we eat that toxin, right? 
So yeah, that should not, that's illegal. That's correct. Yeah. That should be a felony crime. Well, technically by definition, it is a felony crime, but, but what you're talking about is even more perverse, which is the, the people are being injected with these bioweapons. Yeah. And I think we have to start where we need to start, but I'm on the same page with you in regards to what's being done to our food supply. Um, yeah. I've been sitting in on venture capital conferences for synthetic biology and it's terrifying. Uh, the last conference I sat in, they said they want eggs without chicken, meat without cows, plants without sun or water. Oh my gosh. Yes. So and they can do it using, uh, lipid nanoparticle technology and, and CRISPR Cas9 that's in the LNPs. Eggs without chickens. Yeah. Well, um, then what about, what about MRNA injections into beef? Because then under this definition, couldn't that also qualify as a, as a biological weapon? Yeah, because the um, I, I have that patent for the use on on livestock, and it it uh, it, it the uh, LNPs, the bioweapons, the nanoparticles, they are virtually indestructible. So uh, they did testing on the meat up to um, 170 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, just because they were testing to see like would it survive a well done steak, basically, and it does. Wow. Okay, and then so, also in your document here, you, you, you cite another Florida law that says a person who conspires to use or who makes readily available to others a weapon of mass destruction commits a felony of the first degree. So in other words, every doctor, every hospital, every pharmacist that's pushing these COVID bioweapons jabs is also uh, punishable by imprisonment for a term of years not exceeding life. So in other words, it could be life, life in prison for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that goes to the school boards and stuff too. So, right. but because they're making this, they set up, you know, clinics at schools. And so, you know, this needs to stop. This is, and the fact that, you know, I believe we were misled by people. I said, this was a bioweapon from day one. And when we were told to calm down, you know, definitely shouldn't be in children, but let's make it a choice. We've created a confused nation, right? A confused nation that was unfortunately, in, you know, maybe due to lack of knowledge, uh, was being misled. Our side was being misled. So who is, okay, we're, we're all aware of the extreme censorship that has taken place. And there's, there's a lot of evidence coming out now about how the Biden regime and the White House were complicit in the censorship. Mm -hmm. uh, taking people like like you and myself, of course, and others uh, out of the public conversation. But in addition to the censorship, uh, how are they preventing people from learning about this information that you've just compiled? So I've seen even um, like a doctor's conferences speaking where a, a doctors will interrupt someone if they start talking about nanotechnology. They'll say, no, you don't, this, there's no evidence of nanotechnology. Uh, you don't want to call this a bioweapon, right? So that information is being actively um, suppressed. And then when I, it was October 2022, I went through the artificial intelligence nanotechnology uh, that the mRNA was just the software programs, that this stuff is all synthetic RNA or DNA. So it's synthetically recreated genetic material, basically. Um, and that was in October of last year and um, got a lot of, uh, I got a lot of phone calls to not, to, to, to drop, knock it off, to wow. not call these bioweapons, to not talk about the nanotech. Really? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Even, even, uh, are you talking about, I mean, you don't, 
I'm not asking you to name any names, but are you mean even from the alternative media or? Yep. Really? Yeah. And I think people were misled. I'm not saying that these people had all these people had bad intentions, you know, right. um, I, I'm just saying that some of them were, were misled, but it, you know, if, if someone is a self-proclaimed expert in this field and is saying there's no such thing as nanotech, there's a problem. So wait a minute, let me just be not clear. A, not a doctor. I'm not saying you're, because you're a doctor, you would know that there's nanotech. Okay. You know. But you're talking about experts in the field. Yeah. So, so people called you and told you to stop talking about nanotech in the vaccines. Yes, because I had no credibility and this will just destroy whatever, whatever credibility I still had. That's left. what they told you. Yeah, that's what I told. Yeah. And but, yet, I know, but yet we I find nanotech all throughout the patents, even documents from the drug companies on their own websites, in the FDA's documents. It's all over the place. Pfizer doesn't even call it a vaccine on their website. Like when they go through it, they call it mRNA technology. Right. So right. That's what they call it. <laughs> okay. So what, I mean, honestly, what the hell? I mean, what, why? I, I'm, I'm really glad we're having you on here today. To, I, I think this is actually the bigger story than everything that we just talked about that there's an effort to silence you because you're digging a little too deep, I guess, into the nanotech that is in these so-called vaccines. I mean, that's the story. 